you heard how it went down. Now time to sum it all up. This is Bucks Talk, presented by Gruber Law Offices. One call, that's all. He's going to dribble it before he hands it off to Wigginton. Wigginton right back to Thanasis, who takes flight with a big two-hand slam. Recap everything you need to know about this game right now. As the final horn sounds, we are done with the regular season here in 2022. On to the playoffs. Now, here's your host, your analyst, and your MC for the evening. Make some noise! Justin Garcia. Well, it's uh, it's much more fun to watch this team, to talk about this team, when uh, they are at full strength, and more importantly, when 34 and 22 are on the floor, man, does that ever change things for the Bucks? And as I mentioned, I know this is not a good team that the Bucks played tonight in Detroit. It's a Pistons team that was made even worse with some of the uh, injuries that they have. Cade Cunningham lost for the season. Handful. This was one of the first times all season that you looked at the injury report and said, man, the opponents have more players listed as out than the Bucks do. This is uncharted territory here. It's also a Pistons team that was in Paris, France on Thursday, and this is their first game being played since coming back stateside. So a lot of things going in the Bucks' favor, but quite frankly, this was a game it felt like you just needed, that you kind of needed that release. You got Chris back on the floor You got Giannis back, but the bigger part was getting Chris Middleton back on the floor here, and it it really, in many ways, felt like this was the Bucs letting out a little bit of steam in Detroit and taking down the Pistons tonight to gain a little more ground on the Boston Celtics and gain a half game on the idle Philadelphia 76ers. 855-616-1620 is the Old National Bank Talk and text line to join us tonight on Bucks Talk, whether you're listening on WTMJ or ESPN Milwaukee. That's the number to join us on the show tonight. So we're going to get into a lot. The numbers that we started to go over on the network postgame show, the three-point frequency that the Bucks have suddenly found where we went through large stretches early in the season of this team just missing open look after open look and wondering when is this going to turn around to all of a sudden fast forward to the last 10 games, and this team has been on a historic pace. We'll get into those numbers, how good it felt to get Chris Middleton back on the floor, but true to form here, you get Chris and Giannis back, and Bobby Portis exits the game. So when one door opens, another one closes, it seems like, for the Bucs. That's been the trend all season long. But as we heard from Coach Budenholzer, they're certainly optimistic. It is nothing major for Bobby Portis. And it is also firmly smack dab in the middle of trade season as we have already started to see the Bucks linked to more teams and more players with one trade going down earlier today. So in case you missed that trade, I'm sure a lot of you did. It wasn't a major name, but in case you missed it, we'll get you up to speed on who was traded because the Bucks were linked to this player, who was traded, and What's next here? Is this going to be the opening of the floodgates? We'll get into all of that after this on Bucks Talk. 
Chris Middleton, after missing the last 18 straight games, will check in for the first time since that knee injury sidelined him. Connaughton checks out. It has been a long and winding road back to the playing surface for Chris Middleton. More than a month. In terms of calendar that Chris Middleton had been out, you heard Dave mention 18 games that he had missed. That after 20-plus that he missed to begin the season. And it's, what, seven games, I think? Was this the seventh game that Chris has played in this season? This was the 47th game that the uh, the Bucks have played. So, I mean, that just it goes to show you we're past the midpoint of the season, and Chris Middleton is... He's probably going to end up playing in somewhere around 40 games, and I suppose we should knock on wood and, and say you hope he's going to play in that many. But, you know, you're going to play this season half your games without Chris. Uh, we talked about this following the Cavs game on Saturday, but, you know, Giannis, you usually pencil him in for 12, 10 to 12 games that Giannis misses each season, basically with uh, with knee maintenance, I suppose is the best way to put it. And, you know, when you look at Giannis so far this season, that's a number that that's going to increase. So, so Chris is going to miss more games, a lot more games than he typically misses here. Giannis has already had 11 missed games. I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say Giannis is not going to play in every single game for the remainder of the season. So Giannis is probably going to be... 16, 17-ish games, hopefully 15 that he misses. It adds up. And right now, this was basically the first time since maybe all season. This has to be the first time all season that the Bucks did not have a man game loss to injury. Serge Ibaka is not out with an injury. He's not with the team. Sandro Mamukelishvili is a two-way player, and he was assigned to the herd. So this was the first time you had your full squad out there. We mentioned Chris's last playing in Memphis against the Grizzlies, and remember, Joe Ingles came back that following Monday. So you never had Chris and Joe and Giannis and Brooke and, and Drew and that group out on the floor together. This was it. Here we sit, January uh, 23rd, and the Bucks finally have their full squad, full complement of players available, January 23rd. You can be doom and gloom, and I've I've maintained all season. I get the frustration. It, it's not fun. It was not a fun team to watch, I think we saw, when you didn't have Giannis on the floor and Chris on the floor and Joe on the floor. The handful of games, no disrespect, but the handful of games that it was Drew Holiday, go get him or Drew wasn't even on the floor, and it was, hey, Javon Carter is going to win us this game in in, in uh, Oklahoma City. The Bucks have had that for extended periods this season. And coming into this year, you, you just felt like, well, last year was not fun. You know, the, the way it started to have Brooke Lopez on opening night, and then all of a sudden Brooke Lopez isn't there, and then you don't know if he's going to be there or when it is, he's going to come back. And then we saw, okay, sigh of relief. Brooke Lopez is back, and Brooke Lopez looks pretty good. But then Chris Middleton goes down, and your season ends prematurely because of that injury to Chris Middleton. So last year wasn't fun. And he came into this year thinking, okay, things are going to be different. 
And then you learn right away, Chris is going to miss the first portion of the season. No real timetable. Pat is going to miss the beginning of the season. No real timetable. Three weeks was the timetable, I should say, and it went past three weeks. It was about four and a half weeks. But for all of that, this isn't to say this team is perfect, and this isn't to say there aren't any flaws or any areas that need to be addressed. But again, I just choose to look at this differently. And you can call me biased. You can call me uh, in the bag for the bucks. Whatever you want to say, fine. I just choose to look at it from the other perspective and say, look, have the Bucks looked great? No. Have they looked bad? I mean, at, at times, sure. At times, they've looked very good. But we just don't know what this team is quite yet. I think we have a feeling. We hope we know. But we don't truly know because we haven't seen this group together for an extended period of time. And now, you hope, is that period where you're starting to see them together. Despite all of that, Coming into play tonight, you were 29 and 17. 29 and 17 to have Chris Middleton, for all intents and purposes, for none of this season. To have Pat Connaughton out for the first four weeks of the season, to not get Joe Ingles until the third week of December, to have Giannis already missing double digit games. You're 29 and 17 despite all of that. And yeah, the Boston Celtics look pretty good. Boston Celtics have been pretty healthy. And I kind of talked about this in the pregame earlier today, but you know, if you follow the man games lost to injury, when you look at the standings in the East and, and just looking at the playoff teams, and by playoff I mean one through six, we're not counting the play-in tournament teams of seven through ten, looking at the playoff teams, the Celtics, the Sixers, the Bucks, the Nets, the Cavs, and the Heat. The Celtics and Nets have had really good health. And Boston can point to Robert Williams' missed time. Sure, I'll grant you that. You were winning without him, and they were better at least against the Bucs without Robert Williams last year. Jason Tatum has, has missed, I think, two games this year. Marcus Smart has only missed a handful. Jalen Brown has only missed a handful. Malcolm Brogdon has only missed a handful. They haven't had... Any major issues? The 76ers had a brief stretch. Well, not brief, but the 76ers had a stretch where James Harden and Tyrese Maxey were out, and that overlapped each other. Joel Embiid has missed his standard amount of time, but Philadelphia's had their role players healthy. It was that stretch of about three weeks where both Maxey and Harden were out. That was the injury issue that the Sixers have had. They're still in the bottom 10 in the league in terms of man games lost to injury. So are the Celtics. So are the Brooklyn Nets, who have been one of the healthier teams in the league this season. And I know Kevin Durant is out right now. So that's going to start to change. But the Heat and Cavaliers have been absolutely decimated in that department. And the Bucs are not that far behind. Sixth in the league. For the longest time, the Bucs were number one. The Orlando Magic are number one. Cavs and Heat are two and three. Heat and Cavs in that order. And then you got the Bucs creeping up there in the top five. So the way I choose to look at it is, all things considered, to be third in the East, to be 29-17 and 17 prior to tonight when you got those guys back, that's a pretty good way to start the season. And the comparison that we started to make 
of, you know, look at what Boston did last year. And every team, when you look at the teams, like the Cavs, I mean, if, if you really want to buy into it, like the Heat, you would look at it and you'd say, well, look at what Boston did last year. We're sixth in the East right now. We're 26 and 22. Look at what Boston did. The Boston Celtics, when they went on this run last year, you it extended into January. We mentioned this was right around uh, a year ago today. So it was... 365 days ago that the Celtics were 500. January 23rd, 2022, started the run for the Celtics. Celtics beat the Wizards, throttled the Wizards at that matter, 116-87, to dominated the Wizards to start this run where they went from 23-24 and to 51-31. and a 28 and 7 run starting on this date 1 year ago January 23rd 2022 with a 29 point win on the road in DC 1 year later the bucks get chris middleton back 1 year to the day later they get chris middleton back they get giannis back on the floor they go on the road And they beat a bad team as well by 20 points. So maybe, just maybe, this is the start of another run for a team at the top of the Eastern Conference. 855-616-1620. The Old National Bank. Talk and text line. Old National Bank. Get old. When we come back, I mentioned we are now firmly entrenched in trade season. We saw a deal go down today. We saw the Bucs linked to the player. That was traded today, but more and more names starting to pop up. Your trade deadline wish list. We'll get to that after this on Bucks Talk. You're listening to Bucks Talk. Your money. Well, it felt like the Bucks have hit a million threes in the last ten games. They are. The third team to do this, and I guess so technically it's the fourth time in the 76 years of the NBA, the fourth time that a team has hit 190 or more threes in a 10-game span. The Bucks are now at an even 190, dating back to January 4th. It's the fourth time this season they've hit 20 or more threes in a game. Um, it's a little muddy because... The Houston Rockets are in there at the top of the list. They hit 197 threes, I think, in 2019. And they also had a stretch of 194, but those two overlap each other where it was basically like 12 games where the Rockets did this. If you looked at the first game into game 10, and then it was like game two into game 12 where they also did it. So, I mean, yes, it's technically two separate 10-game stretches, but I don't think... It should be two fresh 10-game stretches. But nonetheless, Bucks, Jazz, and Rockets, the only teams in NBA history to hit 190 or more threes over 10 games. Not that surprising. I know I said 76 years in the NBA, but it's really 10, 15 years that we're talking about three-pointers being hit at this volume. But still, this was a team that could not buy a basket early in the season, and now they are just on fire connecting on three 
after three, and they did that once again tonight. To, to finish that point on the Celtics, one year ago today, January 23rd, 2022, the Boston Celtics were 23-24. and 24. They would win in D.C. by 20-plus points against a Wizards team that I said was bad, but they were right around where the Celtics were. But that started the Celtics run. The Celtics ultimately then went 28-7 and the rest of the way, propelling themselves to where they finished the season. So on January 23rd, where were the Boston Celtics in the standings? Um, when the day began, they were 23-24. and 24. Tommy, where would that be in the standings? 23-24. and 24. The Boston Celtics were where? 28 and 24? 23 and 24 in the Eastern Conference. Uh, uh, that's probably near the bottom, like seven. Seven. That's a, that's a decent guess. They started the day 10th and they finished seventh. Mm, okay. So still, they were a play-in team at the time that run started. And the point being, I kind of talked about this afterwards with Dave Kane, but... It's not like a turnaround you're looking for for the Bucks, And every team is going to point to Boston like, well, look what Boston did the final two-plus months of the season. The Celtics did a turnaround. You don't need to do a turnaround. You're in third place right now. You're a half game out of second place. And now you feel like you're healthy. There's a lot of things that line up. Here's where the Celtics were in the standings. Oh, by the way, uh, same time last year, the Bucks were fourth in the standings. And they were really consistently like fourth, fifth at this point of time. One year ago today, the Bucks were 30 and 19. So you're one game ahead of the pace from a year ago at 30 and 17. But you were relatively healthy at that point. It was really just no Brooke Lopez and wondering, well, when, when is Brooke going to come back? And look, we made the point last year of, well, th- this changes a lot. Look at how their defense suffered. They drop down to the middle of the pack. Changes a lot to not have him. And especially when you didn't have a whole lot of depth. I mean, we're going to get to the trade deadline, and we're going to get to one big name who's still not with the team, but you acquired that name in Serge Ibaka because you were still a month removed from Brooke Lopez coming back. Got Serge Ibaka at the trade deadline. Brooke Lopez came back, I think, March 11th in Sacramento. So you still... We're giving the message of, well, Brooke is going to come back. We're confident. And, you know, we're just going to put on this brave face of he's going to come back. There's nothing to worry about. But I'm sure behind the scenes there was a, yeah, we we do feel confident, but but what if? So you had to get some type of insurance. So that was a big part for the Serge Ibaka deal. But outside of that, I mean, you, you went – from game number two all the way until you brought in Serge Ibaka of, well, I guess we're going to play a lot of Bobby Portis and, and Giannis and Mamu. Like, that's our new rotation. And in the games where Bobby was out or the games where Giannis was out, it was, hey, Mamu, go get him. I know you're undersized, but uh, we're going to need you to be the big man here. 
So it's 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 night and day where the Bucks were a year ago to where they are now. The big thing is the offense. And games like tonight are great for the offensive rating. Would have preferred a little more defense to help out that defensive rating, but you know, you, you can't hide from the fact that last year their offense was really good. I think it finished third in terms of offensive rating. The defense was mm, average at best, bad for large stretches, but they finished, I believe, 14th overall. They were in the bottom 10 for large periods of time without Brooke. Once he came back, he helped out a little bit, and you saw the overall rating shift to the middle of the pack. But this year, I mean, it's the same conversation we had. Of, yeah, Brooke changes everything. Well, Chris changes a lot of things for the Bucks. Half-court offense has been bad. Overall offense has been really bad. 24th in offensive rating and points per game. That's going to change a little bit after tonight, but you just need an extended stretch of Chris on the floor, of Joe on the floor together, and seeing that half-court offense change a little more and prop that number up. You don't need to be in the top five offensively, but you can't be in the bottom five. Like Defense is, is where you really can't be in that lower half. And it was kind of put an asterisk next to it last year with, again, the Brooke Lopez injury. Offense, I don't care. You can finish 15th. That's fine. The defense has to be good, and you got to be a good half-court offense in the postseason. We just haven't had a chance to see that yet because of the injuries. 855-616-1620, the Old National Bank talking text line. Old National Bank, get old. Chris Middleton makes his return. 18-game absence. He comes back, scores eight points. And Giannis had us all wondering if we were going to see a new career high, maybe another 50-point game for Giannis. He starts the game with 20 points in the first 12 minutes and finishes the game with 29 points. But still, just seeing that duo back on the floor together, the Bucks have won 75% of their games. When Giannis, Chris, and Drew are on the floor together, that was the best sight and stat line of the night. It's trade season. We saw a name go earlier today. We saw the Bucks linked to Rui Hashimura, who is going from the Wizards to the Lakers. So why would the Bucks be linked to him? And just what are the Bucks looking to do in the next, what, two and a half, three weeks, basically? Three weeks from Thursday is the trade deadline. Uh, we'll sift through all the headlines, all the rumblings and rumors, and why that trade last year that sent Dante DiVincenzo to the Sacramento Kings and brought in our pal Serge Ibaka, why you cannot put that down as an L, because I've seen a lot of this take. We can't judge the deal just yet. I'll explain after this on Bucks Talk. So again, it was it was one year ago today that the Boston Celtics began their run that culminated with the Celtics finishing second in the Eastern Conference and reaching the NBA Finals. But 28-7 and seven down the stretch for the Celtics, that, that run of 35 games started today, one year ago today. When the Boston Celtics opened the day in 10th place, they won in D.C. They were up to 7th in a volatile play-in tournament area standings of the East, and they were off and running from that point forward. There is no reason, and, and this is big 
assumption, assuming this team can stay healthy, and as I mentioned, the the good news, bad news continues for the Bucks. If you get Giannis and Chris back, Bobby Portis leaves the game in that same game. But if you can stay healthy, there is no reason to believe this team isn't capable of that same run. One year ago today, the Bucks were 30 and 19. They're 30 and 17, and I think no one would dispute the construction of the roster a year ago versus the overall makeup of the team right now. This year's version is a better team. We just haven't seen this group healthy. But I mention all this because it ties into the trade deadline, and we are about three weeks away from that. We saw a deal go down today, which is a pretty intriguing move by the Lakers, who you can't rule out just yet, rule out of making the playoffs, not of winning a championship. But, I mean, 18, 19 games now that they've been without Anthony Davis, they're above 500 in those 19 games. I had this conversation just last night on a different show, but, you know, LeBron James is going to get MVP votes. I'm not saying he's going to win it, but LeBron James is going to get MVP votes if this team stays in that hunt of a playoff spot. He's been incredible this year. It's year 20 for him. He's going to pass Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for the NBA's all-time scoring record. And here's the other thing to file away. I had mentioned that the Bucks' schedule starts to shift now. And really, it was most of January where it shifted away from always being on the road. But you know, from here on out, and, and here on out means from now until basically the first week of February, the Bucks are primarily at home. They have one road game in that stretch. And it's Friday night in Indianapolis against the Pacers. But I mentioned all of this because LeBron James is going to move past Kareem for the all-time record of points scored in in league history, and he's going to do it right around the All-Star break. The Bucs have the Nuggets at home on Wednesday. Then, as we mentioned, they're in Indianapolis Indianapolis on Friday night. Then you have four games at home. Sunday the 29th, Tuesday the 31st, February 2nd in a 9 o'clock tip, Milwaukee. In Milwaukee and Saturday, February 4th. But after that, you begin a West Coast road trip. Monday, February 6th in Portland, and then a back to back in Los Angeles, February 9th and February 10th. The All Star break begins February 17th. So that is going to be when the Bucks are in Los Angeles to take on the Lakers. That is going to be one week before the All Star break. LeBron James at this pace is going to pass Kareem Abdul-Jabbar shortly before the All-Star break. There is a pretty good chance LeBron James becomes the league's all-time leading scorer in that game Thursday night against the Bucs. So even more intrigue in the Giannis v. LeBron matchup. But what LeBron James is doing to round at that point, he's going to get votes for an MVP. This team in the Lakers... 
right in there in terms of the play-in tournament. They are one game out of the play-in tournament. And the way the Western Conference has been, it is remarkable. Where 5 through 12 is separated by two and a half games. In the East, the spot where the Bucks are, a pretty good spot to be in at third. They're a half game out of the two seed. They're only a half game in front of the Nets, who are currently fourth. But you see the drop-off in the East after five. Three games separate the Cavs and the Heat. And then you see a massive drop-off. There's two games separating the teams that are on the outside. The Wizards made a trade today. The Wizards are probably going to continue to slide, though they've said Kyle Kuzma, a name that I know Bucks fans are really interested in, and they've said Kyle Kuzma, he's off the table. Wizards are probably going to keep sliding down there. The Raptors remain the biggest enigma. What are they going to do going into the trade deadline? The Bulls at this point, it's too far. It's like when you're going down the road and you keep thinking, should I stop for gas? You don't. And now it's, well, I, at this point, I can't pull off and, and drive around looking for a gas station. We just got to hope that the gauge here is wrong or that I do, in fact, have enough. That's kind of where the Bulls are at with everything they've done leading up to this point. Well, we're too far gone now. We put too much in for a guy like Nikola Vucevic. We just got to try to make the playoffs, even when everything would indicate, you know what, maybe start selling some of these pieces. But I think we're pretty well set of who's going to be in that playoff picture in the Eastern Conference. And that is going to have a lot of impact on this trade deadline. Because in the last few years, we've seen a different approach with this play-in tournament that teams haven't really been as willing to give up just yet and say, you know what, we're better off to sell. Because you got a chance to get into that 10 spot. I think the playoff picture is pretty well set in the East. The Wizards aren't going to be in there. The Hornets and Pistons certainly aren't going to be in there. I don't think the Raptors are going to be in there. It makes no sense for the Raptors to acquire. It makes more sense for them to trade. They're probably sell off and trade. They're probably going to start to slide down. Maybe the Magic can get up to 10. Who knows? But the Magic are another team. You know what? You're probably better off trading off some pieces here. So you are going to start to see more and more defined sellers in the East for sure. In the West, we know the Rockets are going to sell. The Spurs are going to sell. The Thunder should sell, but they're also in that, meh. It's kind of too late for where we are at 23 and 24. Lakers and Blazers are both going to try to make the playoffs. So you have a handful of teams already that are established as sellers. Wasn't the case a year ago where there was still ambiguity of, well, this team could make it. And oh, by the way, you didn't have Victor Wembenyama coming into the league last year. So we saw a move go down today. Rui Hashimura goes to the Lakers. A former lottery pick. A stretch four, now maybe not a great defender, but he's a guy that can knock down shots and he helps the Lakers get younger. That's one of the biggest things we've said from the onset of the season. Here's one of the things the Bucs need to do. Get more athletic, get younger. And who are the guys we're talking about or positions we're talking about? Man, it'd be great if the Bucs could get this. Bigger wing defenders. Not necessarily younger guys in the case of a guy like Jay Crowder, but it'd be great to get younger. This Rui Hashimura trade could be kind of the hairpin here, and, and everything starts to open up now. And teams are going to start to make some moves. As we mentioned, you're starting to get more defined sellers, and we've seen the Bucks' name linked to a handful of names and teams. Rui Hashimura was one of them. 
but we're seeing more and more smoke around the Bucks and the New York Knicks. Manuel Quickly is a name you keep hearing. Hey, he's on our wish list. Cam Reddish is another name that's always been out there. But here's where it gets interesting. What do the Bucks really have to deal? Second rounders. You could trade your 2029 first rounder. You are not going to trade your 2029 first rounder with what's going to be available at this deadline. You just can't do it because in 2029, Giannis is not under contract, at least not as of right now. Uh, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, Brooke Lopez, none of those guys are under contract. That's a pretty appealing first-round pick to a number of teams in the league because there's a lot of uncertainty. What if Giannis is gone? What if that team starts to slide? That first-round pick could be worth a lot. That's why you can't offer that pick up just yet in terms of the players that are available. But I think we also saw, keep talking about second-round picks being important, I think we did see another trend that might not be great for the Bucks, and that was they were reportedly linked to Rui Hashimura. Lakers didn't give up a whole lot to get him. Kendrick Nunn and second-rounders. Lakers' second-round picks are carrying more value than the Bucks. So if you have second-round picks and that's about it, and you have teams looking at, well... I would rather the second-round pick from this team. It could potentially be difficult for the Bucks to find the right partner here in the next three weeks. But speaking of those second-rounders, I promise this, why you cannot write off that Serge Ibaka trade just yet. You cannot put this down as a loss until we get to February 10th, and I will tell you why after this on Bucks Talk. Outlet feed goes the other way ahead to Giannis. Giannis takes it to the hole, sends it down with a two-hand jam, and this has been quite a statement out of the gates for the Bucks, who now lead 26-8 behind 11 points from Giannis. Welcome back to the Greek Freak. 21st quarter points from Giannis, and the blowout was on immediately where the Bucks were up 20 for seemingly all of that opening quarter. And, look, again, the Pistons are not a good team. Pistons were very shorthanded tonight. Pistons just got back from Paris, France. But this was one of the very, very few times for the Bucks, certainly. And, you know, honestly, with the way that things have gone in the league this season, one of the few times in general where a team has gotten up big and remained up big for the duration of the game. I mean, think back to 10 days ago. The Bucs had to come back from down 17. The Knicks gave up a big lead. The Bucs did the same thing to the Hawks, but were able to win the game. The Bucs did the same thing the week prior and lost the game to the Raptors. They did the same thing the week prior to that and lost the game to the Bulls. So leads, they just don't last because of three-point shooting and because of things like I just mentioned of 193s that the Bucs have made in the last 10 games. That's easy math. 19 a game that they are averaging during that stretch incredible for where this team was early in the season and now it's been everyone Javon Carter hit six threes tonight so they have found their shooting stroke and they found the offense but it's just let's get back to working on some of those things defensively because the defense has taken a little bit of a uh, hit here in recent weeks for the Bucks. but um, to get back to the trade deadline Rui Hashimura goes today names like Emmanuel quickly are out there a Cam Reddish is out there and continues to be linked to the Bucs. He's a larger wing. He's a relatively young player. Never been a great shooter. Had some nice moments shooting the basketball against the Bucs in the conference finals. But the Bucs need some wings. 
They need larger wings. You need guys like 6'7"-ish. Some wingspan can hold up to Jason Tatum because you know, it's the same thing we said two years ago when the Bucks won the title, and that's why they brought in P.J. Tucker. You need guys that you can throw on a Kevin Durant that you can potentially even put on Joel Embiid with P.J. Tucker. You need guys that can hold up to how does he help us against teams like the Nets and like the 76ers two years ago. Now it's the Boston Celtics. How does this player help us against the Boston Celtics? That's why the Jay Crowder talk isn't going to go away. So I tweeted the, you know, it's almost time today. And, oh, does that mean he's coming to Milwaukee? Who knows? But Jay Crowder's not going to go away until something happens there. You can't say the Bucks lost this trade, Dante DiVincenzo, for Serge Ibaka just yet because you got two second-round picks in that trade. And I know I just said, well, the Bucks, and this is assuming they were in, as the reports were, hey, they were linked to Rui Hashimura, assuming they were making a concerted effort to acquire him. We saw... One team already say, well, we like the Lakers' second-round picks better. You still need those second-round picks to put together deals. That's how John Horst landed P.J. Tucker two years ago. That's how I know it didn't work out. But that's how you got Nikola Miritich, matching salary and four second-round picks. We've seen John Horst do that with second-rounders. Second-round picks played a role in the Bucks moving John Henson and bringing in George Hill in Bud's first year. So second-round picks are valuable And they got two more of those. And it's especially valuable when you can't move your first-round picks. So for that reason, you can't write it off. But also, Dante DiVincenzo was not going to be here this year. And I'm not disputing Dante DiVincenzo would have been playable and useful in that series against the Celtics. I wholeheartedly agree. And especially considering the injury to Chris Middleton. But Dante DiVincenzo wasn't going to remain here. Dante DiVincenzo was going to move on in free agency, and that die was cast when you extended Grayson Allen. So you can't look at it and say, well, we could have retained Dante. You could have retained Dante for the remainder of the season and had him in the playoffs, sure. You wouldn't have had him this year. And you got second-round picks that we think are going to help you make another deal this year. We'll wrap up the show and preview Wednesday's matchup with the Denver Nuggets next on Bucks Talk. All right, the Bucks return home Wednesday to take on Nikola Jokic and the Denver Nuggets. 7 o'clock tip time, 6.30 is when our Bucks Radio Network coverage with myself and Dave Kane begins on these airwaves and as always stick around immediately after the game for Bucks Talk. Uh, we have Bucks Weekly tomorrow night at 8 o'clock. We will preview that matchup a little more extensively and I should point this out as well. LeBron James is currently 224 points away from moving past Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as the league's all-time leading scorer. He is averaging 27 points a game this season. That would put him right in line with about six to seven games to pass Kareem. He plays the Bucks nine games from now, and that includes two back-to-back. So there is a very good chance LeBron James will pass Kareem, who played for the Bucks in a game against the Bucks. My thanks to everybody for tuning in and to Tommy Wirtz and Chris Larson for producing the show. Talk to you Wednesday night with more Bucks Talk.